Hello, and welcome to Literacy Matters. I'm your host, Cheryl Lundy-Swift. I am super excited about our guest today, Dr. Shane Piasta, because while I was writing my dissertation, I read a lot of Dr. Piasta's work, and so I am totally fangirling today. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about our guest first. Uh, Dr. Piasta is a professor of literacies, literature, and learning in the Department of Teaching and Learning at The Ohio State University. She is also a faculty associate for the Crane Center for Early Childhood Research and Policy. Her research focuses on early literacy development and how it is best supported during preschool and elementary years. Now, Dr. Piasta has received many, many accolades and awards. One of her most recent is an award called the Carol Connor Mid-Career Award from the Society for the Scientific Study of Reading. So congratulations, Dr. Piasta, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much, and thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So I want to get right into uh, really talking about alphabet knowledge. So we know it's a basic building block for early early reading and writing. There's been lots and lots of research around it, but what exactly is alphabet knowledge? So when I'm talking about alphabet knowledge, I'm talking about being able to recognize the form of the letters and associate them with the letter names, as well as some of their basic corresponding sounds. Hmm. So it sounds like there are three different things. So you were saying like being able to identify them, know their letter sounds and form them. So when you think about alphabet knowledge, it's kind of complex. So how can a teacher actually teach all of these skills at the same time? So we've learned a lot from research about the importance of what's called paired associate learning in the context of, of alphabet learning. And what that means is that it is important for children to look at the visual form of the letter, hear its name, and hear the corresponding sound. And you could also add in an opportunity to form that letter, whether that's using a writing utensil or perhaps more gross motor movements. So paired associate learning has evidence of being the mechanism by which children are learning alphabet knowledge. And so we can take advantage of that as teachers and parents and be making sure that we are allowing children the opportunity to associate all of those things, the form, the name, and the sound at the same time. Hmm. I love it. Almost like this consolidated bit uh, when, when it comes to learning. We have this curriculum obviously focusing on handwriting, teaching in the developmental teaching order. And then we obviously have reading where we're focusing obviously on, on those, you know, those common phonic sounds and even word study skills. You know, how do you recommend that teachers use different kinds of sequences in their kindergarten classrooms? That's a really great question. Uh, so first, I want to respond that there have been many different kind of sequences put out there. Um, but to my knowledge, we do not have any rigorous research that is showing that one particular sequence is better than another particular sequence. Um, so what I think is most important is that teachers are intentional in what sequence they're going to use, that they're consistent in using that sequence, and that they are like I said, intentional, thoughtful about why they've chosen the type of sequence that they have. So some sequences uh, forefront the letters that are in the names of children collectively in the classroom, because 
children tend to be more familiar with those letters that are in especially their first names and their first initials. And the rationale there is that this should be something a bit easier for children to learn and helps them just understand the basic alphabetic principle that we have this symbol that is associated with these labels, right? This name, this sound. And of course, that we can also create that symbol ourselves through writing. Yeah. There are other sequences that um, specifically have certain letters taught earlier in the program than uh, later letters. And oftentimes those earlier letters are ones where you can start forming some basic words with them, right? So starting to move into phonics. And so if that's an expectation of perhaps your kindergarten program, you might want to think about a sequence where you are teaching some of those perhaps more frequent letters um, before moving to less frequent letters so that you can start with some word building and things like that. Um, there's some evidence suggesting that phonologically or visual, visually confusing letters. So phonologically meaning the sounds are similar. So mm and n. Mm. And visually, we can think of BPD, uh, which also tend to have phonological similarities as well. There's been a couple of studies done in the 70s that showed spacing instruction on those letters out was more effective than teaching them kind of back to back. Um, but I have I have some reservations about those studies and they weren't done in like real world context. They were done in very controlled lab settings. Um, so again, we don't really have a ton of evidence suggesting a sequence that is most beneficial. I think it's just important to use a consistent sequence and to have a rationale for why that is the best way to meet your goals for your students in terms of alphabet knowledge growth um, in writing. I love that idea. It really does give teachers the freedom, one, to choose the order that's right for those students. But I think the idea is making sure it's systematic and explicit that you, so you're teaching every single letter uh, intentionally. I, I love that, really being intentional. Speaking of intentionality, right, when we think about how we teach letters and, and maybe the number of letters we're teaching, there's this concept of letter of the week. In fact, I was, I was working with a group of teachers last year who have this really elaborate letter of the week kind of, um, you know, it really, it's, it's really elaborate. It's really like all these great lesson plans around the letter of the week, but we know that the letter of the week is not the best way. So one, I'd love for you to tell us why we should move away from letter of the week and how do you re recommend that teachers shift from the model of letter of the week for faster pacing? So the the issues with the letter of the week approach um, are, are a lot of them are kind of theoretical in nature, right? So one issue is if you're doing a letter of the week, that's 26 letters. Um, I don't know if you're doing uppercase and lowercase at the same, same time or not, but if you're doing them separately, now we're at 52 weeks, and guess what? The school year isn't even that long. One of the concerns about using a letter of the week strategy is that it basically takes the entire school year in order to get through the full alphabet. Um, and there are reasons why we'd think that having more exposure to letters and greater knowledge, even if not immediately to mastery, would be beneficial for children. That's opening up those practice opportunities. That's opening up 
um, the ability to kind of work with letters in meaningful contexts. That's opening up chances to really consolidate their understanding of letters along with their phonological and phonemic awareness. Um, and so there's lots of reasons to believe that it would be beneficial to kind of quicken the pacing. Um, another concern that's been raised with letter of the week is how that's implemented. So back in the day, it was like circle time was letter of the week time. And we were spending maybe 20 minutes talking about the letter of the week. Now, understanding the alphabet is critically important, but we don't necessarily need to be spending that amount of time on a letter, especially if it's a letter that children are perhaps mostly already familiar with. So again, there are certain letters uh, and there's ABC that most children grasp onto and understand very early on. And so I don't know that we need to be spending a full week of full circle times talking about the letter B, for example. Mm -hmm. um, instead, we could be using a quicker pacing. We could be talking about the letter B we could be pulling a small group of kids who maybe need more intensive instruction on that letter. And we can be opening up space in the school day um, that we can use for many other important instructional targets. So when I think about teaching alphabet knowledge, I'm always thinking, you know, we need practices that are not only effective, but also efficient. So those are some of the issues um, that are out there around letter of the day. In terms of research, uh, there have been a handful of studies that have looked at this. Now, I do want to say that these studies have always looked at quicker pacing versus less quick pacing. So it's not directly testing necessarily against letter of the week, but the studies are all converging on the idea that teaching more than one letter a week seems to be most beneficial for children. And there's kind of a natural experiment that happened in the Netherlands where they were even able to show that students who kind of had quicker introduction to the full complement of letters tended to have better reading and spelling outcomes a year later. Um, so I think there's both kind of these theoretical and or practical reasons that it might be important to move away from that. And then we do have accumulating evidence that's suggesting, hey, you know, it's okay to teach three letters in a single week or something like that. And then coupling that with, um, so Carol Connor was one of my mentors. And of course, a lot of her work was about individualizing or differentiating instruction, taking advantage of the opportunity to differentiate, to, you know, let children who already have that knowledge move on and then provide more intensive supports to children who might need a little bit of extra guidance and practice. I think that's really where we are headed. That's so empowering for teachers to hear this because number one, it really highlights the fact that students can learn more than one letter a week. And two, it really speaks to the idea of meeting students exactly where they are and giving them exactly what they need. I, I love that. So now I'm going to ask a really big question <laughs> because I'm sure our listeners are wondering, okay, so now I know what alphabet knowledge is. Now I know I can do more than one letter. Um, you know, now I understand the sequence um, that I can choose, but how exactly then do I teach it? So what instructional approaches 
should teachers use to ensure that children can, again, identify those letters, know those letter sounds, and even form those letters? This is one of those areas that when I started looking into this, I figured there'd be so much research on ways to effectively and efficiently teach the alphabet. Um, and what I found as I dove into it is that there's not a lot specifically focused on alphabet instruction. Once you get into more phonics instruction, right, we have a lot of different programs and research speaking to evidence-based practices there. But when thinking specifically about alphabet knowledge, I was kind of astounded at how much we didn't know. Um, so I recently reviewed that literature um, and was able to kind of distill some practices that do have at least emerging evidence uh, for supporting alphabet knowledge and some places where we still have a lot to learn. Um, so I would say that there are probably four aspects of teaching alphabet knowledge that, you know, we always want multiple studies to support these things, but these probably have support such that we really should be paying attention to it. So first, uh, I had, this was my dissertation project, um, but uh, teachers always wonder, you know, should I be teaching all the names first and then move on to sounds or, you know, in certain cultures, uh, in communities, they emphasize the sounds more. So should I just teach the sounds? Because that's what they need to actually be able to decode. Um, and so I and Teresa Roberts and some others have done studies on this. And I think where the evidence points us is that teaching letter names simultaneously with teaching letter sounds. So back to that paired associate learning that I was mentioning, that seems to be an effective strategy for teaching the alphabet. Um, a second area is what you already mentioned about pacing. So I think that there is converging evidence that quicker pacing is more beneficial uh, for students. The third area is embedded mnemonics. So this would be, um, Linnea Aries done a lot of work in this area, but the idea that you are taking the letter form and that is representing, pictorially representing an image that incorporates the sound. So the easiest one for me to describe would be an S that is a snake in the form of S, okay? So S is for snake, for S. And using those types of embedded mnemonics seems to help children learn their letter sounds. And finally, I think you know we have a lot of evidence pointing to the importance of that explicit, intentional, systematic uh, approach to teaching children letters and letter sounds. Um, so those would be like four areas where I feel like we have uh, a fair amount of research or at least research that's converging around certain ideas. And then there are a lot of unanswered questions. My research agenda will always be full. Um, you know, I get questions from teachers about should I be teaching uppercase first and then lowercase or should I do that simultaneously or should we just focus on lowercase because that's what's most frequent in children's books. Um, should, you know, um, the actual idea of differentiating alphabet instruction, although we have a lot of support for differentiated literacy instruction in general, that's not actually been tested directly within the alphabet realm. and there are other 
strategies that are out there that really we just haven't tested. So there are other types of mnemonics. Um, there are, you know, technology and apps that are being used to support this type of learning. And we just need to do some more research and continue building our evidence that we can determine more of these like general strategies that could be integrated regardless of which curriculum you're using and also curriculum developers could use to make that alphabet instructional piece align with the evidence, but also effective and efficient. Um, I so appreciate and have enjoyed talking to you so much. It's going to be so much learning that will come out of this uh, conversation with you. I really appreciate all that you do. And thank you for your research and help me get through my dissertation. I really appreciate it. And I'm definitely a fan of your work. And um, thank you so much for being a part of our show. I really enjoyed that conversation.